today. Like Ruthie said, we are wrapping up our sermon series called Please, Sorry, Thanks. Uh, So I think these three words, if we were to master these three words, and I think we can actually master, or at least enhance, uh, our relationship with God. Please, sorry, thanks. Uh, We talked about going to God and saying please. Right, going to God with our requests and our petitions and the things that matter to us. Why? Because what matters to us matters to God. Right? Because God cares about us. We go to God with our sorry, with our acknowledgement of these wrongdoings that we've done in our life where we actually find healing, we find freedom, and we find the person who we were created to be. And today we're going to be focusing in on the word thank you. And I think sometimes saying this word thank you, right? Have you ever received a gift Uh, that is kind of hard to repay, like hard to be able to say thank you because you're like, I don't know how to comprehend uh, this gift that was given. In September is going to be uh, 10 years for my wife and I here at SunWest. Uh, And we started off doing like a 10-month internship. Uh, So I had a 10-month internship. uh, And in that span, um, we were like, we're just trying to figure things out. We're married, right? We just are going through college. Okay, just finished college. Just finished my third year. So I'm broke. Uh, We just got married. So I'm even more broke. Uh, All right. That's kind of how it works. Um, So we moved to Calgary uh, and we, we are living in the north. All right, North Calgary, we're in varsity. That was close to where my wife was working. And then I worked all the way down here. So I'm driving or I'm taking the train almost every single day. Uh, when that internship uh, came to an end, we were offered a full-time position, or I was offered a full-time position here to work with youth. And I quickly realized that it, is, it takes way more uh, of a commitment of being in evenings. It's hard to drop Angel off at work and then go and pick her up. I was like, we are in need of a second vehicle. But as I stated earlier, we're in the middle of school and newly married, which equals no money. Uh, we're broke. Uh, so I remember being like, okay, so what are we going to do? Like we could, like we probably had enough finances in there to buy a car, but we were like, I, uh, like if we do, we're just, we're spending it all. Uh, so instead we're like, hey, how about we just pray and say, hey, God, you know, if you want us to have a second car, we'll have a second car. If not, we'll make, we'll make the other things work, right? Uh, and we prayed that for a while and months went by and I didn't really say like there was anything until once we were having a church picnic. Mm-hmm. So maybe you should come to the church picnic. Uh, we're having a church picnic and in there somebody went up to us and they said, hey, uh, so our kid's going off to college, and we are, uh, we've got this car, and we're no longer in need of it. You wouldn't happen uh, to need a car. Uh, and we're like, nope, uh, we're good. Uh, no, I'm like, yeah, right? Like, what an answer to prayer. Uh, that this has actually happened twice in our stay here at SunWest, and it's one of those things where we're like, I have no idea how to say thank you. Right? Like it seems like the gift is too big that it's actually like this humbling thing that I'm like, no, 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 I don't need it. I can fend for myself. I don't actually need it. Uh, but to, it, it's kind of hard to actually have the words to say thank you. Like I actually don't think that there are enough words for us to say thank you to these gifts that are something that's so big and meaningful like that. Now imagine how do we and how can we say thank you in our prayer life? Right? How can we say thank you to God? We've all received the gift of forgiveness, grace, freedom, and life from God. Right? That our old self does not define ourselves, but we are new in Christ, that we have everlasting life, eternal life that doesn't just start when we die, but available to us here and now. Our purpose, that to live the purpose that God has intended us to live, our identity, we've got identity, we've got life, we've got purpose, we've got freedom in Christ. 
And how do we actually turn that around and say thank you? Right, that I realize a car is a great gift, uh, but it pales in comparison to the gift that we actually receive in Christ. So how do we say thank you to our creator, to our savior? And I think the key, and we're going to be talking about this verse this, this morning, the key that we find is in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Okay? You ever wonder what the will of, of, uh, the will, uh, of God in your life? It says, it says right here, right? It says, be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Sometimes I think that we think that Christianity, uh, quickly it actually becomes into a noun. It turns into something that we become. There's one time my wife and I, we were in A&W and we were praying before our meal. And this one guy, he walks up to us and he says, hi, I'm Lutheran. And I say, hey, Luther, nice to meet you. Uh, and he's like, no, I'm, I'm Lutheran. Uh, right? And I was like, okay, cool. And then anyways, my wife's laughing at me. Uh, but what he was saying is like basically going up and saying, hey, I'm Christian. Right? He's like, I saw that you were praying. I just want to introduce myself. That sometimes we use it as that, that we have like this badge of Christianity and we use it as our identity. And I think that's okay. Right? That it's, it's who we are, but I think Christianity can quickly just turn into a noun. But I think Christianity, it's best lived when it's a verb, that it's something that we are doing. So when we look to this, we see it and it says, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That this is not exactly this idea of like who we are, it's what we do. It is a verb that we are to be joyful, that we are to be praying, that we are to be thankful. But that's more than a verb, that this is actually a present imperative verb. Uh, So what it means is, yes, it is an action, but they are not just actions. They are actually commands. And they are commands that we don't do just one time, but they are commands that we do continuously. Like a perfect example is this. When I go to my kids and I say, clean your room, that is an imperative. uh, That is... um, Sorry, I'm lost where that is. As a present imperative verb, go clean your room. This is not something that she does just one time. This is something that you do continuously. It's it's like it's this command and it's something that you do every time you make a mess. It is not something that we can just do one time, right? These things are to be done. It's a command that these are things that we're supposed to do, that we don't do just once, but we let it become a lifestyle. That is when it becomes important in our lives. So we're going to be going through those three points uh, from First Thessalonians. Always be joyful, okay? Always be joyful. Um, but unfortunately, we don't always see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. A lot of times I think we get to see, what we see is what we're going to get. What we see is what we are going to get. What we focus on changes our reality, right? Unfortunately, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. If we're looking for excuses in life, we're going to find them. If you're looking for something to complain about, we're going to find those people that we can complain about or those situations that we can complain about. If we're looking for something to be angry about, oh, we're going to find that person or that something. If we're looking for something to be thankful for, we're going to find something to be thankful for. Scripture says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. I think this works for both the positive and negative aspects in our lives. Like I said, if we're looking for something to complain about, we're going to find it. So how do we always be joyful? If we look to our families, we can quickly see, hey, you know what? Like my younger sister, that, that, that she was treated so much better than me. She got more things that it's unfair And we can hold on to that unfairness. And any time that we think of our family, we spend time with our family, all we think of is how unfair it is. 
We can think of the same thing when it comes to parenting, right? Like I just yelled at my kid and I lost it. And right away we can think I'm just a horrible parent. Like I'm just, I'm not even worthy to be their parent. And we forget about all the good times where we actually just spend, where we're intentional, when we're caring, when we're reading a book or lying on their floor, when our kids are sick at night, we forget about the good things and we can just focus on the negative. We can see the same thing when it comes to school, right? I just got a D on this, this test and that's not good enough and I'm just not good enough. And we can get into this spiral of this negative thought when it comes to school. We can think the same of work, right? That I, I deserve that promotion more or that pay raise, that I don't get paid enough for what I do. And we can have this negative cycle and what we think about actually starts to become our reality. But I think sometimes it's a little bit easier to complain than it is to be thankful, because here's the thing, each one of us have things in our life that are worthy to, be, to complain about. It's something to connect with somebody else, right? It's also in this shared experience and we connect with somebody else that I think complaining becomes contagious. But luckily, I think joy also becomes contagious. There's a story in the Bible of the Apostle Paul. When you look to our Bibles, we see that Paul is a big, important figure within the New Testament that he wrote lots of our New Testament and the writings that we have that uh, have showed us what church is to look like, uh, that he was one, though, that was actually persecuting the church, and then he turned into one who was being persecuted when his life was changed for Jesus. So this is the story of the, of the Apostle Paul in Acts 16, to 26. It says this, Many people had gathered around Paul and Silas. They're calling out things against them. The leaders had clothes of Paul and Silas taken off and had them beaten with sticks. After they had hit them many times, they put Silas, Paul and Silas in prison. The soldiers told the men who watched the prison to be sure to keep them from getting away. Because of this, they were put inside a room of the prison and their feet were in pieces of wood that held them there. Wow. Paul's life wasn't going so great, right? There's a lot of things that he probably could have been complaining about, right? It was saying that he was hit with sticks many times, right? This word is one that's like, it's, it's called flogging, that Paul was flogged. I don't know, has anybody been like flogged this week? Uh, all right, so th- probably nobody. So things probably aren't that bad, right? Uh, like I know for me that even when I'm going to go and uh, turn off the lights and I'm walking to bed and I stub my toe on the edge of the bed, that is all I am talking about for the next week of how badly my toe hurts. Uh, and I'm just complaining about the same thing. I'm like, I can't even wear shoes. I've got to wear sandals because my toe hurts so bad. And you can just complain about that thing over and over and over again. That if anybody had something to complain about, it was Paul and Silas. They could have just been sitting there complaining, complaining, and complaining. And sometimes I think we get caught in our circumstances. We get caught in our circumstances. That when I look to it, it doesn't take very far to look uh, in our past few years to realize, yeah, life probably hasn't been the easiest for my family. That we've experienced the loss of friends and family. We've on this new journey and trying to figure out what it looks like to parent a kid with disability. Uh, We've had many hospital stays with sick kids, uh, some lasting over a week long. We've had hospital stays for my wife. Uh, We've gone through severe mental health scares within our family. We've been woken up at 5.30 a.m. for the past year with a newborn. It doesn't take far to look to complain. And I think each one of us kind of, if we we don't look very far, and I know it's not a flogging, you know, but there's something that's worthy to complain about. I don't think we need to look very far to realize that we're not alone, right? That there's people here too, right? That maybe there's people here who have lost their jobs, 
You've lost loved ones. You've dealt with sickness. We have a lot to complain about. The world is filled with suffering, but we do not need to be consumed with the suffering. When we read on this story, I find this brilliant. It says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing songs of thanks to God. What were they doing? Were they complaining? No, at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing songs of thanks to God. The other men in prison were listening to them. All at once, the earth started to shake. Stones under the prison shook and doors opened and chains fell off from everyone. Sometimes praise is a sacrifice. I'll say that again. Sometimes praise is a sacrifice. We don't feel like praising, yet God is always worthy of praising. In those moments, we have a choice. We can complain. We can get caught in that negative thought loop that actually starts to become our reality, only seeing what we are looking for, or we can praise anyways, right? Not just based on our circumstance or performance. When we worship, rejoice, and give thanks, always our world starts to change. Why? Is it that our circumstance change changes? No, but it's because what we are looking for changes. The stones of our prison can shake, the doors become open, and chains can fall off. We can be overcome by our circumstances. We can overcome our circumstances with our attitude of praise, right? Similar that Paul and Silas were in prison and that the stones started to shake and the walls started to fall down and they were freed in the same way we can be freed from our prison of negativity with praise. We can't always control our circumstance, but we can control our response. When we praise, we give thanks to God and we start to see the world as God sees it, not in the ways that we see it. Last week, I shared a little story about running. So I'm going to talk about running again. Uh, When I go for a run, I don't always feel like running, right? I might've had a big bowl of uh, pasta the morning before and I start running and I'm like, not the morning before, the evening before. I don't usually have pasta for breakfast, Uh, but I'm sitting there and I've just had like, you know, you got your fettuccine Alfredo uh, the night before you start running first thing in the morning. You're like, this is not sitting well. I see John Clausen nodding his head. He's run lots too, right? So uh, it's not feeling very well on each step. I'm just thinking of how miserable this experience is. And when I'm thinking about how miserable the experience is in that moment, what I want to do is I stop. And sometimes I do. I stop. I catch my breath. I'm like, oh, I just walk for a little bit as I'm feeling that pain. And sometimes I actually just walk all the way home. I'm like, that's it for me. I'm done. But there has been some studies that have shown with racers what happens when you actually just focus on the finish line. When you just look at the end result, when you look at the finish line, that they say that uh, the finish line actually feels 30% closer. When all you're focused on is the, is the finish line, it is 30% closer. And not only that, it says when those who focus only on the finish line, that their pace increases by 23%. It increases by 23%, but here's like, the, here's like the really fun fact. And they have actually, when they're focusing on that, and they actually expend 17% less energy, right? So when you focus on the finish line, it feels 30% closer, you go 23% faster and you're actually expending 20 or 17% less energy. Does the race change? No, it's the same. What has changed is what you are looking at. When you focus on negativity, we're going to want to quit. When you focus on gratitude, it becomes an action that changes our outlook on life. When we look to the gift of salvation and the life that God has for us, our outlook doesn't only change, but our actions and our motivations change as well. But I think there's a problem what you don't turn into praise turns into pride. 
There's a trick that we fall into. We begin to rejoice maybe in the wrong things. We need to be careful because there are good things in this life, but they might not necessarily be the best things for us. We can begin to praise, right? And rejoice in our families, our spouse, our paychecks, our jobs, our sports teams. Not all those things are bad things. Those are good things, right? Those are things to be thankful for. We can be grateful for those things, but are we rejoicing in them? When we don't turn into praise, turns into pride. We need to be aware and be careful of rejoicing in the wrong things. Because as we look to rejoicing, essentially it is rejoy. So we've talked about this this phrase, always be joyful. In other translations, it says rejoice. But I think there's a difference between happiness and where we actually find our joy from. Happiness is something that that we experience um, in our happenings, right? It is an external factor that affects us. Like there was one time that one of those days that I didn't feel like going for a run. It was raining. Uh, it was dark out. I'm like, I don't want to do it. But I was like, fine, I'm going to go do it. And I'm miserable. Every step, I'm like, I want to quit. I want to quit. I run past Tim Hortons. First, you get like the smell of coffee and you're like, oh, that's a bit better. Uh, and then I found a $5 bill. Has anybody happened where you're like, your day's miserable and you find, I'm like, I don't even know what I can buy a $5 bill. Uh, before you could buy like lots of candy. And now I'm like, it's pretty limited, but it changed my, my day. I was like, my ha- the happenings and the experience in my life, the external factors completely changed. I'm like, $5, that's all it takes to make me, I guess. Okay. So if you're, that's it, just buy, hide like $5 bills. If people are having a bad day, find them. Life's great. Maybe hide them in your own house. So then you can find them later. Um, but those external factors change our experience right? Our happiness, but that doesn't last long. $5, I spent it, it disappears. I'm back to being sad, Uh, right? But joy is something that is rooted in something more. Joy goes beyond our circumstances. Even when our circumstances aren't good, where are we finding joy? We can find joy in rejoicing, rejoy. Where are we finding our joy? Quite often when life isn't going that great, and there's times even when I like doubt God and where's God and what, what is this looking like? I can go back to that first time where I feel like I experienced God for the first time. Where I experienced his love, his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy. And where I actually gave my life over to Christ. I can go back to that moment and I can find joy in that moment. The joy does not depend on what's going on in the very moment and what we experienced in the past, but what we, yeah, are in that very moment. But it's actually, we can go back and rely on the past to find joy. We can look to the future to find joy. In Luke 10, 20, it says rejoice because your names are in the book of life. We can rejoice because of Christ and the life that we have. We can find our joy in that. Next, pray continually. As a kid, I was taught to pray like this. If you got a hat on, you take the hat off. You bow your head, you close your eyes, you go on your knees and you pray like this. And then you think, all right, pray continually. I don't know if anybody has tried that, uh, to pray continually like that. Can you get anything done? No, because you're stuck on your knees praying all day. That, I mean, that's not a bad thing, okay? Don't hear me say that praying is a bad thing. Uh, but there's other things that we need to go and get done. So how do we pray continually? And I think there are times that we actually need to pray, like how I just, how I just did, not maybe in like that exact posture, but sometimes we do need to free ourselves from the distractions in life and spend some time with God. That's really good. But how do we pray continually in our goings, in our doings? I think sometimes my favorite times to pray is while I'm driving, while I'm walking to work, while I'm going for a hike, while I'm going for a run. Off, quite often I thought, hey, you know what? I always connected better with God when I was reading my Bible. 
And I had a really hard time when I was like trying to pray. I'd be distracted and going all over the place. But here's the thing. I think our Bibles are way more meant to be prayed than they are to be read. Like I compartmentalized prayer and I thought, oh, it has to start with dear God and it ends with amen. But can we be fitting prayer in all aspects of our lives? That before we go to work or we get started in the day, we look at our schedule and we look at the tasks that we need to complete or we look at the meetings that we need to have. Can we be praying into those? And as we pray into those, we realize that actually there's divine intervention going on in those tasks and those meetings. That those things actually start to become prayer because we're actually focused in on God. What an amazing difference it makes when we actually continuously pray. Inviting God, not just into those big things, but into every element and area within our lives. Pray continually. Keep praying in the lives and even for the lives around us. Keep a list of people that we come in contact with. And as we pray, we realize the world around us will change. Lastly, um, be thankful in all circumstances. We already talked earlier about what the will of God is for our life, right? It's not like, is it here or there? Is it now or then? It is be thankful in all circumstances. It's the attitude adjustment that we need. In the Old Testament commentaries, uh, the Talmud, uh, it says this, if you enjoy something without saying blessings, it's as if you stole it from God. I think that is an incredibly powerful line. If you enjoy something without saying blessings, it's as if you stole it from God. Similar along those lines of what we don't turn into praise turns into pride, right? And we can actually start to think that we are actually the provider of our own lives, that we don't actually need anything else, right? Uh, that blessed, this word blessed is, one of the mo- is the most repeated word in the Old Testament, that we are blessed, we need to bless, and we need to give thanks for those blessings. But sometimes we actually need to slow life down to see the blessings in our lives. When I take my daughter to school, it's about a kilometer walk. Uh, and when we're going on this walk, like I'm like, she's walking around and all of a sudden she like finds a pine cone and she picks it up and thinks it's the most amazing thing she ever seen. And then she goes and she finds a rock and she's like, this is even better than the pine cone. Uh, and then she finds a dandelion or a stick. doesn't really matter, right? She's just picking up everything. She's finding beauty. All I'm thinking is I'm going to be late. I'm going to hear that buzzer and you're going to be late. We've got to get from here to there. And I'm rushed. But sometimes we just need to stop, slow down, and see the beauty that's right in front of us. I think what's that saying, right? Stop and smell the roses? Uh, I think that's exactly it. And when we do, we start to actually see the blessings. And what we call this, right? I think this is the spiritual practice of gratitude. Like I said in the beginning that these words in our Christian journey, it is not just like this identity piece, but it's actually a noun. It's what we do, right? That we actually need to praise God as blessings come from him. Let's start to count our blessings. Sometimes I think I generalize my blessings and I don't actually look deep down in the root of each one of those blessings. But something powerful happens when we actually just dig into those areas in our lives where we are blessed. Like I can go in and I can say, hey God, thank you for my day. And that's it. But that's so generalized. Like what about the day? Like what was good? And we start to go into it and I'm like, yeah, God, it was a good day because I got to spend time with my family. God, thank you for my family. But that's still pretty general. Uh, so I go in and I'm like, yeah, God, thank you for my wife, uh, for my three kids, uh, for Lucy, Oliver, and Heidi. And God, actually, I just want to say thank you for Heidi. Uh, she's my youngest. God, thank you for the time this week that we spent, like I was just chasing her around the house and for 10 minutes was just pure laughter and enjoyment. 
God, thank you for laughter. See, it went from this general, oh, and I'm, I'm like smiling just thinking about that moment. Uh, it went from this generalized thing of thank you for my day. And you see how when we get specific in our thankfulness, that we can actually uh, enjoy that moment again? Like I'm going by and I'm like, God, thank you for these things. And we can go deep down into that list as we go through gratitude. And I think this is an ancient spiritual practice. When you go through the book of Psalms, it is all over the place. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Thank you, God. Uh, And I know it's gotten a lot of hype, even just within psychology, of keeping a gratitude journal, but I think it's a spiritual practice that we all need to be doing. So this is a challenge for each one of us. Like like I said, this is not just, uh, oh, we just talk about that we're Christian, but it's actually what we do. There's verbs that go on into it, and one of those things is to be thankful. So I want to encourage us this week to spend time in thankfulness, to write down, even just start there, right? 10 things that you are thankful for. So let's start tomorrow morning, okay? Tomorrow morning, you wake up, even before making breakfast, that kind of stuff, just pause and think and write down. Sometimes when I think it's in our head, uh, we forget those things, but when you write those things down, they actually stick a little bit deeper. Let's write down 10 things that we are thankful for. When I pray, I actually follow the Lord's Prayer, uh, and I go through line by line. It starts like this, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And as part of hallowedness, it's essentially the holiness of God. Holy is your name. It's an opportunity to praise God for who he is and who that actually makes us. So in my prayer life, I always start with thankfulness and gratitude. I start that way. And sometimes it's like two or three things. I'm busy. I'm like, thank you, God, for this, 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 and I'm done. But when I actually start to dig into it, it's like, yeah, sometimes it's three minutes. Sometimes it's five Sometimes it's 10, sometimes 20 minutes goes by and I'm still thanking God for the things in my life. But that's only possible when we don't just generalize it, but when we get specific into the thankfulness in our lives. That I think when we, are, we keep a gratitude journal and we give thanks just one time, we'll notice the difference. Because the things around us, what we're looking for changes. But when it becomes a habit in our life, I think is when we really experience the change that it doesn't as much matter our circumstances because we're actually rejoicing in the gifts that God has given us. So can we do that? Tomorrow morning, all right? Uh, We're going to do it together. Keep a gratitude journal and write down, start with 10 things. Maybe we'll go more, maybe we'll be less. But when we start to look at those things, we start to see more things to be thankful for in the world around us. I want to conclude with a story. A story in Luke 17, 1 to 10, and it goes like this. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. He had entered a village there. Ten men with leprosy stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And they went, and they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell on the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he has done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. My hope and prayer is that we become a community that returns back to God in praise and thankfulness. 
Right? What's more surprising? Is it that that one person came back and praised God, or is it that nine didn't? Are we going to be the nine that receive a blessing and go about our day, letting it turn into pride, or are we going to be the one that goes back to the Creator, that goes back to God and says, thank you? I think we see this all the time, right? We know in our heads that God is the giver of all good things, right? That every mouthful of food, breath, and air we take, music we hear, the smiles on the face of a friend, all that and a million more good gifts are from God. The world didn't need to be this way, right? It probably could have been a bit more drab, but it's not. There are things to be thankful for. We've all received a blessing from God above. It says in scripture that he causes the rain and the sun to shine on the just and the unjust alike. We have all received blessings, but we don't always see it. Why? Because maybe we're not looking for it. When we live a life of thankfulness, even in a season we don't feel like it, we make it a sacrifice, we begin to see things to be thankful for, to find joy, to begin to rejoice in what God has done. The simple word of thanks has power to change everything. And Jesus' response to the, thankful, to the thankful man is this. He says, stand up. In other translations, it says, rise up, right? Rise. And when we look to this, we see, uh, and the early Christians would have seen the, this correlation in language to the resurrection, right? Rise up together in Jesus. All were healed from their leprosy, but only one man through the gratitude, experience the true life that God has for him. So within our thankfulness, let us rise up beyond our circumstance into the resurrection life that Christ has for us. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you. We want to thank you that you are the giver of good gifts, that you love your children, that there are blessings all over the place. Lord, let us see them. And we know that we are not in control of our circumstances, but we have the choice to be in control of our attitude and disposition towards us. So Lord, we pray that we are people to be thankful, that we aren't those nine that go away when when we experience this blessing, but that we can recognize it, we see it, we can go to you, and as we do, we can experience the resurrection life that you have for us. So God, we want to thank you. Praise things in your name. Amen. Like I said, stated earlier that if we are looking for things to complain about, we'll find them. And when you look to the world, that there are a lot of things in the world that are broken. But I think we are looking for restoration. That we are, What we are looking for is this word, shalom. They were looking for shalom. And what shalom ultimately is, it is the restoration of all things within these four spheres, within the relationship with God, within our relationship with self, with others, within the world. That I think when we say thank you, or when we say please, it is the start of that relationship that we have with God. When we say sorry, it mends those things that are broken that it reestablishes those wrongs that we are forgiven, that it makes things right. When we say thank you, it leads to a life of gratitude, one in joy with God. Please, sorry, thanks are the way in which shalom is restored. 
It is where it starts that worlds create worlds. So why not start with those words? To rewrite our story and our relationship with God. Please, sorry, and thanks. So right now, I just want to invite us uh, in prayer. We have prayer teams that come forward, and it can be one of those three things, to come up and say, hey, you know what? I actually just, I've got a request. Let's pray that request together and say, please, God. Or maybe you've got something where you want to say sorry. To say sorry to God or to say sorry to somebody else, and you invite some other people within that process. Because as we pray together, there is power. Or even to go and just celebrate. Maybe there is something that you just want to say, hey, this is going really well. This is a blessing in my life. And I want to praise God, the giver of that gift, for that thing. So I just want to invite up those prayer teams and let's just pray together. And again, uh, don't forget to keep a journal tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, let's write down 10 things that we are thankful for and we are grateful for. And let us find that shalom and that peace and that joy and that hope that comes with that relationship with God. And let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you that you are in the business of restoring all things, the things that are broken, the things that can complain about, that you are the one who is making all things new. And God, let us be able to put our trust in you. Let us be able to go to you in our requests and our pleas. Let us be able to go to you in our saying, sorry. And instead of finding somebody who's there to punish us, we find somebody who's there to heal us, to mend us. And God, let us to go to you and say, thank you to find joy in you, to rise up beyond our circumstances and into the resurrection life that you have for us. Praise things in your name. Amen.